0: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, our little Rockies podcast here, keeping things going as spring training is underway. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, this week, and join with me again is my partner in crime here, Evan Lang.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. How's it going?
1: It's going good. I thought you were asking the audience, and I was thinking they can't answer you, Evan.
0: They can answer in the comments. <laughs>
1: I just yeah. hope there's somebody that watches it and then immediately responds when you say that. It's
0: like blues clues. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? You see a clue? Where's the clue? A clue,
1: a clue. For the video watchers, you get the you can see the little joke behind me but
0: anyways, for the, for the video watchers, you can put that on your handy dandy notebook.
1: Yes, your handy dandy scorebook.
0: <laughs> Anyways, lots to talk about. Spring training is underway, Evan. Are you happy about that? Thank goodness. I was so ready for baseball, and just being able to listen to the Rockies yesterday was paradise. Having Jack Corrigan and Jerry Schemmel just in my headphones while I was on the bus on my way home from. The uh, Wintercraft Brew Fest here in Boulder, uh, which was really cool. But just being able to sit there and go, I'm listening to baseball.
1: This is an actual mm-hmm.
0: game that is happening right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Heaven. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people. It's just nice, you know, for those that were able to sit back and watch baseball, all the games that were on yesterday, and then the Rockies listen to them on the radio. Good times. Just good times.
0: I really enjoyed the... um on Friday, the Mariners-Padres game is how I kicked things off, and that was a pretty fun game to watch. Yeah, it's it's been good.
1: It's just nice to have it back. You know, you're able to... It, spring's in the air. We're having some terrible winter, crazy weather here in Colorado. And so it's nice to... At least spring is on the horizon.
0: Well, we'll bounce of, back and normalcy between winter, terrible weather, and right now it's like 50 or 60 degrees outside.
1: Yeah, ugh.
0: And then it's, it's supposed a, to snow again later this week. Yeah, good old Colorado weather—too weird and wacky. <laughs> the the temperature whiplash—I
1: like to call it. Yeah, ugh, it's awful. Much like the Rockies, that will eh, we'll get into at some point. Um, just some real quick here, Evan. will do some house business again. Uh, people keep an eye out for what's coming ahead with changes to affected by altitude and everything in general. Uh, I don't know if we want to spoil things just yet, Evan, uh, but we've got some good fun plans in store here. You know, coming up soon as we figure out the ending here uh, with Vox Media and SB Nation with the podcast affiliation with them, and then kind of transitioning to the new thing and all kinds of fun stuff, but exciting stuff. So stay tuned on the, on the internets and whatnot
0: and all that good stuff yeah, we've got a lot planned for you and hopefully it will result in not only a better affected by altitude, but potentially some other fun shows and just an overall, a general good product for making content for you guys, which is our number one goal.
1: Yeah. And, and bringing some, some goodness to the Rockies community, because I know if that's kind of a few and far between at the moment, it's very volatile and kind of rough, rough landscape out there. Oh. Um, just you know, because of the team we cover and everything. But it is what it is. We'll do our best. It's a lot of fun. I love doing this stuff. This is the closest to like dream job that you can do uh, without getting paid a living wage for it.
0: <laughs> dream, vol- <laughs> dream volunteering.
1: Yeah. But any let's get into it, Evan. Uh, we were talking about the radio here and that might be the only option here coming pretty soon or the best option. Uh, Regional sports networks are kind of, they're going down the toilet. Uh, There's the big Bali sports, like the diamond sports group thingy that controls all those Bali sports. That's kind of filing for bankruptcy here pretty soon. Probably that's going to affect a lot of things. And then Warner brothers discovery, that wonderful combination merger that has just done so many good things for Warner Brothers content and stuff. They're pulling back out of the regional sports network business, and that will affect the Rockies because they own AT&T Sportsnet, which is the channel that the Rockies currently operate on. So they will have until the end of March to negotiate a deal to get the TV rights back before uh, Warner Brothers Discovery Files for Chapter 7 liquidation stuff, all the fun business stuff. So if you're familiar with business and economics, you'll know more of what we're talking about. So it kind of puts TV status up in the air. And Evan, as in a state that already has a majority of people that can't watch two of their best sports teams, they're going to lose the option to watch another of their sports teams at the moment worst case scenario, you're not going to be able to watch three of Colorado's four major sports.
0: Yeah, it's the the Brain Trust that brought you the hit show Velma on HBO Max has decided that they're just completely pulling out of regional sports networks. And this doesn't just affect the Rockies, it affects the Astros, the uh, Pirates, and somewhat the Seattle Mariners, though not as much, because the Mariners own 60% of their broadcasting rights still. Then mm-hmm. the uh, the Blazers, the Jazz, and the Rockets in the NBA, and the Kraken, the Penguins, and the Golden Knights in the NHL are all broadcasting on AT&T Sportsnet or Root Sports, which is owned by Warner Brothers Discovery. And basically, the Rockies have a month to... They 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 really only have until the season starts to figure out what the plan is, and you know Commissioner of Baseball Rob Manfred had said, "Oh well, we're going to make it so that you know every, we have to make it so that everybody can still watch." And okay, that's great, mm-hmm. and maybe fingers crossed, this can lead to the elimination of things like the regional blackout. But right now, Colorado sports fans are looking at a a period of time where they cannot watch the Nuggets, the Avalanche, the Rapids, the Mammoth, and now the Rockies coming up here. And it was already not great uh, to be able to watch the Rockies because I know, Skylar, down in your neck of the woods and in other parts of Colorado, you just straight up don't get AT&T Sportsnet.
1: Oh, yeah, because if you have Dish Network, Dish Network was another of those companies that just dropped the channel. So since September... Since October 1st, 2021, I haven't watched a Rockies game on TV. I have watched some Rockies games thanks to, you know, quote-unquote legal sites, (laughs) uh, as well as using a VPN to use MLB.tv so I can get around blackouts. And that's not an ideal way, especially when you're already living in a place where good streaming internet is... Not good, uh, hard to come by. And so over the past year, 2022, I didn't get much Rockies baseball, which kind of stinks. And, you know, think of my parents who, who love what my dad loves watching the Rockies. He hasn't been able to watch them. And so it's tough for accessibility to the fans, a game that already has a hard time reaching fans because of those blackouts and everything else. hmm you know, have regional sports networks that are falling apart, which is understandable with just the way the world is now. A lot more streaming, you know, internet. So you gotta open up avenues for them while still hopefully figuring out a way. MLB might have to step in, uh, which I think they said they would do if it comes to that with like the Mali Sports stuff. They have MLB network and a lot of other things. And so if there's a way, hey, maybe MLB steps in, they help out the Rockies and now you can see Rockies games on your local MLB network. You know, if you have MLB network, you can tune in, watch the Rockies there without a yeah. blackout.
0: Or just eliminate the, the blackout restriction for MLB.TV subscriptions. Because yeah. like you and I, Skylar, we're we're fairly tech savvy, but not, and we can find a way to watch a stream or whatever. But not everyone has that opportunity or that capability. And even for the people who do, watching your local sports team should not be an ordeal you should not have Mm -hmm. to go oh i'm going to set up a vpn and then log into this on my computer and then try and make my computer go to my tv so i can i have a i have a tv and i have a roku and that should be enough that should be enough for anybody to watch whatever sport Mm -hmm. that they want to watch and I was complaining about this last night with the ABS game because the ABS were playing Calgary, and I wanted to watch that game, but it was just such a hassle to get it set up. That I ended up not even watching, mm-hmm. and they, it shouldn't be that way for any sport. Sports have to thrive on accessibility, and when that accessibility mm-hmm. doesn't exist, everybody suffers. And unfortunately, we already kind of knew that this might be coming because when the when the Valley Sports Diamond Sinclair. Saga all started a little bit ago. It came out that ATT Sportsnet and Warner Bros. Discovery was one of the companies that had missed making their full payment for the TV rights. Mm-hmm. And that's just another big blow to the Rockies, who were already not exactly a high revenue team, all things considered. But this big TV deal that the Rockies had signed with at t Sports, and Warner Brothers Discovery was supposed to be fairly lucrative. And it was signed just a couple of years ago and just has completely not worked out at all.
1: Mm-hmm. And they cover such a big area like the Rockies have such a big distribution area with like Utah, this whole Mountain West region, really. And so it's a mess. <laughs> I don't understand the intricacies of business or what everything means. But I really, I really hope for everybody's sake that they figure something out in a timely manner, to where you can watch come March thirtieth or so, you no know, April first at the latest. You can tune in and watch Rockies baseball on TV, listen to Drew Goodman, you know Ryan Spielberg's doing their thing, watch Jenny and Corey do the pregame show, all that stuff. That's the hope, and hopefully they figure something out. At least there's a firm deadline. No, and Warner Brothers Discovery, they want to at least pull out and cleanly. At least it's because that would really hurt them a lot if they just jump ship and leave everybody burning behind them. Yeah. At least they give them this month deadline to try and figure things out, use you no know, use the cameras and everything, production crews to get things done as we work together to figure out a plan. So
0: and all all we can really hope right now is that this does not mean a lot of really awesome people working on the Rockies broadcast crew with AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain aren't losing their jobs because that would just be an absolute nightmare. And it's a shame that we have to talk about this because I think in any other circumstance, we'd be talking about giving our, you know, congratulations to Ryan Spielborgs, who's going to be part of the Apple TV national broadcast team Uh, Mm. and, and lots of other really cool stuff that's going on with rocky's broadcasting you know being excited about the radio broadcast with jack and jerry coming back another another good year of uh at&t sportsnet broadcast and now we have to sit here and worry of are we going to be able to watch it all on opening day
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's yeah. it's just such a bummer
1: yeah and like we have the same worry last year because of the lockout but now Another year, another worry of, well, are we going to be able to watch baseball, Rockies baseball this year? And yes, there's some of you that may be celebrating the fact that you don't have to watch Rockies baseball. I understand that. But then to those that really do love watching baseball too, it's just a mess.
0: Lousy business. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really disappointing to have two straight years where coming up on opening day, we have to go, are we going to be able to even watch baseball for mm-hmm. for some reason or another, yeah, ugh, what a mess! Everything's a mess. Anyways,
1: let's let's talk about something a little happier, Evan. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, day after right after the first game of spring training. Currently, while we're recording, the other game is on their second spring training game. But first game of spring training always special on that Saturday. Uh, later half the show we'll talk rule changes and some more of the position players, but. We just want to kind of get our first impressions here on the first official spring training exhibition between the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Rockies ended up winning that game uh, pretty handily. 12 to 5, I believe, was the score. Uh, Just overall good game. What were your first impressions there of just the first game of spring training?
0: I thought it was great. I had a wonderful time. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I... I thought it was a really entertaining game. You know, it was a shame that we couldn't watch it on TV, but we saw a lot out of a bunch of different players. Um, Some of the younger guys, some of the older guys, uh, a lot of rookies played and a lot of prospects played. Um, So guys like Zach Veen uh, and Elaris Montero got multiple at bats, Coco Montez, uh, Julio Carreras, but then Ryan McMahon also got three at bats. Uh, Chris Bryant had two at bats and, um, and some of the guys that we signed on minor league deals, so it was a pretty fun game. I really enjoyed it. the The big interesting thing for me was we saw a lot of different pitchers uh, mm-hmm. come in, and everybody had a various uh, amount of innings. You had Noah Davis with the start. Uh, Noah had an inning and a uh, inning two thirds of work. He gave up three hits. He walked three batters um uh, but only gave a one earned run so not an amazing start for him but not not the worst especially when this is you know the first start of spring training and there's still a lot to go uh we had solid outings from guys like uh Ty Block uh Blair Calvo was really interesting to watch um and then Carl Kaufman was uh, another prospect that had uh, innings pitched and then you saw some of the other uh the journeyman guys that we brought in so we had, had um excuse me we had a Coke. We had Fernando Abad. We had a, a TJ Zoich. Zoich. I'm not. I'm yeah, really not like quite sure how you pronounce that. Um. But the big thing was offense, and for both teams, it was offense. Diamondbacks had uh, 12 hits. Rockies had 15 and scored 12 runs, and. You saw a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, Harold Castro, who we brought in on a minor league deal, used to play for the Detroit Tigers, had uh, two hits and two RBIs. And then you had a bunch of the young guys like uh, Alaris Montero, Coco Montez, Zach Veen and Brenton Doyle all showing up in a big way and doing some really cool stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely touch on them later in the show. Um, the one I probably the one that was on everybody's radar was Chris Bryant. No, he's still our big prize possession signing that contract last year, the big one. I think it's limited to the 42 games. And this is going to be an important spring training for him. And I think it's going to do him a lot of good. He's healthy. He says that he's healthy 100%, which is good. All signs pointed to that yesterday. He was running well, uh, took some good hacks. And they need him to play more games. And so I think it'll be good. For him to have had a normal offseason without a lockout and a full regular spring training with the Rockies, that's not kind of rushed. I, I th- I'm excited to see what he can do this spring. And you know, Yesterday, got a bloop single and hit into a fielder's choice, but drove in a run. Did he drive in? No, he scored a run. But a, a good first showing, good looking for Chris Bryant.
0: Yeah, for, for Bryant especially. Um, there were, there was a lot of, of gnashing of teeth last year for the injuries that he had to deal with. And I, I think it bears repeating that Chris Bryant for some reason has an, has a reputation of being injury prone when he really doesn't, he had only ever played less than a hundred games once in his entire career before last season. And honestly, his injuries last year were just pretty unfortunate bad luck where he had the the back injury at the beginning of the season and then the plantar fascia at the tail end of the season but we saw how good he could still be because when he played he played well and I think him being able to have like you said a full spring training show off that he is completely healthy and just start the season showing that he is you know still here and able to be a key contributor on this team is going to be really, really big.
1: Yeah. And, and that's the important thing is, is getting him those reps. Like we were saying a regular spring training of this year, last year was kind of a crap shoot for everybody where the truncated season, the delay with everything, the lockout. So guys didn't have as good a preseason, you no know, off season workouts and everything. So now Bryant comes in and he's going to have a, a regular full spring, which is exciting, and I think that's going to be the big thing for him: is proving to everybody and proving to himself I can stay healthy and contribute here in Colorado and justify this contract that I've been signed to. Because that's what we saw with guys like Ryan McMahon last year, uh, Elias Diaz. They got signed to those contracts, and then they just kind of put pressure on themselves and weren't able to produce as much as they probably as much as they wanted to, or even could. And,
0: or, or the tough start that Kyle Freeland had to the season. last, Exactly.
1: Year. And so here's this opportunity for these guys here in the spring training, they can come in and kind of have that motivation of, okay, regular season. Here's what I want to do this spring. So I can prove that I am worth the contract. I am worth starting and being a star for this team. And those guys can, I have all the faith in Chris Bryant. He- he was good when he was on the field last year. We just couldn't get him on
0: the dang field. Exactly. It was it was a rough year for a lot of different guys last year. The I think the having a full length spring training not only for the guys who were hurt but for the guys who had some some lackluster seasons last year is really going to help. Mm-hmm. I think a full spring training for guys like you know both Kyle Freeland, Armon Marquez, and a lot of the other guys on the pitching staff is going to be really helpful because we remember last year. Uh, Erman and Kyle both had pretty bumpy starts. Um, It took Carlos Estevez like a full month to really get his velocity up to snuff mm-hmm. where he just wasn't really striking guys out either. And then after about a month or so, people sort of started hitting their groove. And I think that's going to be important for a lot of people. And also having the full spring training means you get more of a look at your younger guys in addition mm-hmm. to your regular role players. So yeah. It's going to be important for pretty much everybody, Elias Diaz, CJ Krohn, uh, Chris Bryant, but then other guys looking to find their place in the lineup, like, you know, your Sean Bouchard's and your Alaris Monteros, but just having people be healthy. And unfortunately, we've had a little bit of an injury bug prior to spring training where guys like uh, Riley Pint and Armand Marquez had some minor injuries, nothing super limiting. Um mm-hmm. Erbon had the hamstring tweak. Um, Riley Pint had a minor oblique strain. Uh, I think the worst one was um, Jake Bird's oblique strain, where they think his is a little mm-hmm. bit more serious and is probably going to have to – um, might have him start the season on the injured list or something like that. But having having this full spring training is not only going to be good for the fans who can get themselves back into baseball – after a long, dark offseason, but also for all the players. Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it's good to the, for them to then get a jump start here in that first game. Um, something that I, listening to him on the broadcast, what it sounded like is a lot of our guys in that lineup were being aggressive with the hitting approach. Uh, for the most part, I was looking through on the MLB game day, looking at like the, the pitch boxes for each at bat and, or at least through a couple of the first couple of innings for like our main guys, no, the veterans. And it was nice to see is, was was some good plate discipline. Then no, they're seeing maybe three, four pitches, but they were fouling stuff off the strikeouts that did come was mostly on like pitches up in the zone and whatnot. But for the most part, the team was being aggressive offensively jumping on fastballs, fouling off bad pitches. We saw, like, Zach Veen turn on a pitch inside. We saw other guys just make contact. And so it was at least good to see balls in the air and a nice aggressive approach to kick things off in spring training because this is Hensley Mullins, Bam Bam's first spring training as a Rocky. And he only has so much time before he goes and coaches the Netherlands for the WBC. So that that was something that I noticed there in that first thing is that the offense was being aggressive trying to get those hacks
0: out and jump on pitchers right away definitely so with the with the 12 runs that they scored um 15 hits and 11 runs batted in the big things to look at like you said are the walks and the strikeouts Rockies drew eight walks and nine strikeouts throughout the game and only, and only one batter drew multiple strikeouts uh Michael Tolia had two strikeouts and one walk in his um three plate appearances and that was a big thing that we needed to see coming into this year was keeping up with being aggressive and making contact but not the the strikeouts and that increased plate discipline like you said and and I know it's spring training and a bunch of these pitchers are guys who are you know probably not going to be on that opening day roster for whatever team they're pitching for But anytime you draw eight walks in a game is good for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, when when you can make it like almost a one-to-one ratio, you're doing pretty good because you're going to strike out. But if you can offset those with walks and offense, it goes a long way. And then that was kind of the same thing with the pitching squad. Six strikeouts, just three walks, all three of them coming from Noah Davis. The rest of everybody else that pitched yesterday – In that first game, didn't allow a walk. Uh, We had, I think it's, we're going to figure out how to say his name. I heard him say yesterday it's Zoik. Because I remember I was going to make a Scooby-Doo joke of like Zoink Scooby. (laughs) But I think his name's Zoik, TJ Zoik, something like that. But he gave up three hits and Blair Calvo, Calvo gave up three hits. Everybody else, aside from Noah Davis, who also gave up three hits, everybody else, one or less. Uh, And most everybody had at least one strikeout with Matt Cook at the end coming up with two strikeouts. So a good first showing from that first batch of pitchers. And I think that's what we're going to be watching for this spring as well is how do the pitching, how is pitching going to look? Can the Rockies start getting more strikeouts, less walks, instead of just relying, living and dying on
0: the ground ball? Yeah, one of the big things for me was uh, Carl Kaufman in his one inning of work, gave up one hit and an unearned run, but uh, did not walk any batters. And that's a big thing that he needs to demonstrate going into this year because uh, his walk rate was was pretty bad last year. He suffered pretty bad from control issues as he had his first, you know, mostly full season in A Albuquerque. And so what you need to see from him is the adjustments being made in him not walking as many batters. And I know it's only one inning, but the fact that almost nobody – yesterday in that pitching lineup walked anybody except for noah davis is is exactly what you want to see and i know we have a lot of spring training ahead of us but you got to look for the positives where you can here and it's definitely going to be interesting to look at and see how some of these pitchers develop as we go along especially with things like the rule changes and um and the pitch, the pitch clock, and just overall what this Rockies pitching staff is going to look like as we move mm-hmm. into the actual season.
1: So here's something interesting that I was just looking at, Count from that first box score. So it's the first game you can take all spring training games with a grain of salt until you get closer and iron out your roster. But a good development that I hope they keep going, the Rockies hit six ground balls yesterday in their first game. They hit six their pitching staff induced 12. So hopefully that's a trend that can keep going where uh, even looking at the, the ratio of ground outs to fly outs, the Rockies didn't have that many flyouts either. So that's telling us they're hitting line drives and, and things of that nature. Finding hits that way. That, yeah, that's I, I, would, I would so really like, like to not
0: be the, uh, the worst ground ball team in the league again.
1: Yeah, I don't, we don't need that banner to hang up again. (laughs) That's the opening day ceremony. We're going to hang that banner of
0: ground ball champs, 2022. Ground ball champs, 2022. It was, we had multiple players with some of the highest ground ball rates in the league. We had the highest ground ball rate in the league as a team last year. And it was one of those things that we joked about of, you know, Brendan Rogers had a pretty good season last year. Imagine how much better his season would have been if he wasn't hitting the ball into the dirt like 54% of the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many things. I me change.
1: New hitting staff, new kind of names, R&D department, things behind the scenes that hopefully can figure out how to hit on the road. Hit on the road and just hit in general. Line drives, I'll take those. Anything that's not a ground ball. You avoid those two things. You're doing A-OK. Definitely. Well, hopefully. Fingers crossed. But yeah. So so spring training underway. It's going to be exciting to see how things pan out over the course of the month. But first impressions, it's always good. First game the season to come out with a W, even though it's kind of an empty, meaningless W. It's still a W, nonetheless. And that's got to feel good for the players. And as the fans, and at least instill some sort of hope or at least some optimism, as much as you can have.
0: Definitely. Uh, and you know, speaking of walks, here we've I've got the um, the play by play for the current game, and Ezekiel Tovar in his first at bat draws a walk. Out of boy.
1: So yeah, th- that's going to be the thing: is cutting down on on uh, getting better plate discipline and making quality contact, better plate approach. So if Bam Bam can help the team figure out how to do that, more power to him. He's going to be the MVP this year. Oh,
0: especially with the rookies. If we can get yeah. good plate discipline instilled in the rookies early on, that's exactly what you want. Yeah. So there's a lot riding on that offense. All eyes here
1: on the spring of how everything develops and whatnot. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the pitching change or not pitching changes, the <laughs> rules The rule changes, that's the word I'm looking for. Rule changes and then kind of focus on some of those position players that are looking to crack the roster, make a name for themselves here this spring to look at and hopefully crack the roster as we head into opening day here in a month. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Affected by Altitude.
0: Hello and welcome back here to
1: Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through that break. We've been having some technical difficulties. Hopefully third time's the charm. Or fourth time, or however many tries it's been. Uh, Still hanging out here with Evan. Evan, is it
0: working? Currently.
1: Okay, we're going to keep this
0: going. (laughs) I want to keep this because this was a really good joke that Skylar made uh in our first attempt of doing part two was thanks you thank you everyone on watching on youtube who just has the weird awkward cut in the middle before we start talking again yeah <laughs> i didn't i didn't want that joke to uh to get lost and if it wouldn't get us copyright stricken or something like that i would uh i would probably take some of those old rockies ads from like the the late 2000s and mm-hmm. splice them in the middle but uh that would probably get our videos taken down, so we can't do that. Who, who's who's going to take those down? Probably the Rockies, or really anybody, because literally anyone can copyright strike anything on the glorious hellscape that is YouTube.com. If if Dick Monfort knows how to operate YouTube,
1: he can go ahead and copy strike those. <laughs> he has people to do that for him, Skylar. No, I I like the idea of him doing it himself.
0: This copyright strike was sent from my iPad. Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho,
1: still lots to talk about here. And the first thing we wanted to jump into here was the rule changes that have been implemented into Major League Baseball for the 2023 season. The three big ones, their main ones. The pitch clock has been implemented. We've got bigger bases for the bases, I guess, (laughs) to do their thing. Uh, We've got the weird pickoff rule of like two pickoffs that kind of ties in with the timer. And then we've got the shift ban, where there's no longer the extreme shifts anymore. And first weekend here of games, we've kind of seen them implemented now and kind of see them in action. We've seen them in the minor leagues. Uh, You've Followed him a lot, Evan, down in the minors. You've watched quite a few games and everything. But there's still kind of a lot of debate about everything that's being implemented. Uh, Traditionalists, people that aren't liking the changes to the game and everything. But the name of the game has mostly been more offense, more action in a shorter amount of time. uh, Even if it's just shaving off half an hour. So that first weekend, these first couple of games, what's been your, I guess, takeaway or... Yeah, your takeaway on the on these
0: impression that's the word I'm looking for, impressions of the of these new rule changes. The one that I was always on board with from the start was the bigger bases, especially at first base. And in a lot of the broadcasts, there's been a lot of, I would say, hyperball, like, complaining about the new base. Oh, it's as big as mm-hmm. a large pizza ball. They're not. They're bigger. They're noticeably bigger. But they're not that big. And I think the reasoning for the bigger bases is good reasoning where, especially at first base, you are preventing collisions between the runner and the first baseman. And for stealing, you're also trying to prevent collisions. It's, I think, going to be good from a player safety standpoint. Um, do I think it's perfect? Eh, who knows. But this is the one that I was on board with from the start because I think it's ridiculous as you try and leg out a single that you can collide with the first baseman and then injure yourself and it wrecks your your season and your team season when just having a little bit of extra base there for you and the first baseman to share is going to go a long way I think in a player safety standpoint but there's been lots of lots of hyperbole about that throughout the weekend so far I think people are going to get used to it the one that I think is going to be the toughest it's the pitch clock Um, now there's been a pitch clock implemented in the minor leagues for a little bit now, and it's been working fairly well, but at the major league level, you've got players who are not used to it. You've got umpires who are not used to it. And we've already seen it be a little all over the place so far this weekend. Um, particularly we had in the, uh, the Braves Red Sox game last night where base is loaded bottom of the ninth Cal Conley thinks he's got ball four and he gets called out on a uh, pitch clock violation and the game is over and it ends in a tie. So it's weird. And I think that one, I think the pitch clock is one that's probably going to be messed with and adjusted um, throughout Mm -hmm. spring training that's the good part about having these being tested throughout spring training. Now we know that on a fundamental level, they work because we've seen them work in the minor leagues, especially with things like we've had the pitch clock. We've had the um, automated strike zone, which has worked really well in the minor leagues so far. So by the end of March, I think there might be some changes and adjustments to stuff like the pitch clock and the batter's box rules. Um mm-hmm. That's why we've got, you know, the month to go ahead and look at that. The one that I'm not a hundred percent sold on is the new pickoff rules. I think it's a bit too extreme to only basically say you have two chances to pick it off. And if you make a third chance and you don't get him, then it's an automatic balk. I think I would give him three chances. And then after that, I think that would be a little bit more reasonable but mm-hmm. I can understand where they're coming from because we've all been watching that game where the pitcher goes to first like eight times in an at-bat. Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen. And you just want to hop the hop the wall onto the field and grab by the shoulders and shake him and be like, throw to the batter, throw the ball to the plate. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, it'll be it'll be interesting. We've seen already a couple um violations on the side of a bat of the batter now. On Friday against the Mariners, Manny Machado uh, took too long to get into the batter's box and had a first strike call due to that violation. Then we had the thing with Cal Conley last night. There's going to be a whole lot of adjustment. Obviously, things aren't perfect, and I don't think there is any way for everybody to be made happy by any rule changes. Um, But Mm -hmm. overall, I really don't think they're going to be that bad. And we have seen the results of these pace of play changes. In the first 19 spring training games of Major League Baseball this year, according to uh, Travis Sochick of the score, um, the average time was two hours and 36 minutes, which is decently shorter here. Through the first 23 games, he's saying it's been about two hours and 33 minutes the uh, first 10 spring training games of last year were two hours and 56 minutes so they've shaved (laughs) about 20 minutes off of the games here so far um and the first couple games of spring training were 154 minutes 135 minutes 159 151 the two longest games were both at 186 minutes so far so you can see that it's working like the, the goal of major league baseball and specifically commissioner Rob Manfred here was to increase the pace of play and make games shorter because we all have that casual fan in our life or the person who doesn't really like baseball. When asked why they go, well, it's because the games are so long and so slow. That's the kind of, (laughs) that's the kind of people that Manfred is targeting with these rule changes, not the diehards like us, who will you know be watching regardless. So it's mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see what the overall consensus is on these rule changes at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, and as much as a diehard as I am, I don't mind the games being shorter. I will gladly take a two-and-a-half-hour game because the games were getting so long, and uh, you can really get trapped at it. Is When you work in baseball, like last summer when I was working with the the Northern Colorado Owls. I think we had like a four hour game that just kept dragging on and on. And no, when you're working it, I have no escape. (laughs) You can't, I can't just get up and leave. I can't change the channel.
0: I am stuck there. I think I remember when you were talking about that one, because weren't the owls getting just absolutely crushed as well. Yes. They were getting
1: spanked and it was, and I'm just stuck there having to watch and pitch clocks. No, they were supposed to be in the Pioneer League because they're a partner league. They're supposed to have pitch clocks that didn't work out last season. They'll have them this year, uh, but man, I never wanted a pitch clock more than <laughs> when you're sitting there through a twenty to three you no know, loss, and <laughs> late getting late at night. It's getting close to like ten o'clock, and we're in like the seventh inning, and ugh. So I'm big on the pitch clock. Like you said, we've seen it in the minor leagues. Those guys are doing with it fine. You're still getting the same, you know, close games, big blowout games and everything. And so what would be nice is there's such an influx of young guys that have been in the minor leagues within the past couple of years that have exposure to the pitch clock. That's good. We need that. Yeah. It's going to be those veterans, these old guys that have been
0: around forever That those are the ones that are moaning the most. Oh, man. It's the vets and it's the umps who are going to have the biggest issue adjusting to them. And And
1: I was going to say, go ahead. I, I agree with you that it's not perfect yet. It definitely needs some adjustments. Like, do you need the pitch timer for when a guy's coming up to the box for the get ready for an at bat? Like the Manny Machado one, he shouldn't be subject to that at the very beginning of an at bat he needs time i understand these guys need time to get themselves ready for an at bat and you shouldn't force them to hasten that when they're walking up to the to the plate mm-hmm. i mean charlie blackman's walk up song is affected and we don't get to have the same tradition every year now with every at bat because he has to hurry up and get into the box with the pitch clock and everything so maybe like at the start of a an at bat yeah let the guy come up there like if he's taking forever like yeah hustle him up but it shouldn't be forcing them to rush, 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 hurry up, get ready in the box. No. In the middle of an at-bat, yes, we don't need a guy stepping out and waltzing around home plate and doing all of this stuff, adjusting every single piece of equipment after every pitch. Yeah. But I think at the start of an at-bat, when they're coming up to the plate, you don't need to rush them there. Nobody should be starting to count 0-1 because you took too long to get into the box. And everything because it's the weird it's the weird rule a batter has to be in the box and look up at the pitcher with eight
0: seconds left on the clock. Which is a weird one. It is. And honestly, the way I think it should be implemented is no clock when the event starts. And then when the batter is in the box and the pitcher is set on the mound, clock starts. Yeah. And then you implement that clock for the rest of the at because Mm -hmm. i i do think it's it's silly to rush people to get into the box now you have plenty of batters who like in between swings like step out of the box for 25 minutes adjust their gloves tap their cleats adjust their gloves again take a few practice swings get back into the box yeah you should probably take care of that but Rushing people at the beginning of the bat, I think, is going to be detrimental, especially like you said, with walk up songs, because that's a big way to get fans into it. And since you're going to have to now trim those, it's you either have to find the perfect timing or it's just not going to be the same experience. And mm-hmm. then on the other side of the ball, what I'm worried about is uh, pitchers who are having to speed up their delivery, potentially getting hurt as they get used to this, like maybe going. It's not going to affect them. But th- there's there's that. And then also the other side of that is after having watched Alex Colome last season, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i okay with uh, speeding up some deliveries. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And it's not so much them having to speed up their delivery and their arm motion. It's them just getting ready to pitch faster because that was the problem with Colomay is he gets a pitch and he takes forever going around the mound, getting on, you know, gets on the rubber and takes forever to come set. What they want to do is, you know, get the ball, get ready to pitch again. You know, well, you have 15 seconds with nobody on base, and that's more than enough time to get a pitch back and get ready back on the mound. Because when I was growing up pitching, I was quick. I get the pitch, I back up, I'm right back on the mound within a couple seconds ready to go again. So it, it's not. I don't think it's going to affect anybody. Nobody's going to get injured because of a pitch clock, and anything. It's just going to force guys to you know, stop dilly, <laughs> whatever the word is, uh, dilly dallying around, and, and get ready to play. And you no, know, and I think it's going to help pitchers more to get into a rhythm, uh, and get ready on the mound quicker. Because man, Alex Colomay just broke us last year. <laughs> Was, that first was game rough. when it took him half an hour to get through four batters. Like, no, that shouldn't, that's unacceptable.
0: I can't think of the last time I had been that frustrated by how slow a pitcher, maybe Jordan Lyles back in the day. Mm-hmm. But man. If there's any the, any one pitcher who said yes, we need a pitch clock. It's uh, it's Cola May. Yeah.
1: Or what I like was Kenley Jansen when he saw like the he saw a graphic on MLB Network or something about the slowest pitchers, and he saw that he was at the top of the list, and he's like, "Oh man, I got some work to do." <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, it's nice because now that Kenley's not a Dodger, I can actually like him.
1: Yeah, and and I think what's nice is him seeing that and realizing, Oh, maybe I do need to adjust something because they get into these bad habits and you start taking slower and slower. It hurts you. It hurts your team. Cause if you're one of those pitchers that takes forever to throw a pitch, your defense behind you starts to get a little lazy, but now that they can, the defense can be engaged. That's going to help with the no shift rule. Guys can are going to be engaged, ready to go at all times to make some sweet plays. And so I think the pitch clock, like we said, it still needs adjustment. It don't You don't need to rush a guy into the box to start the at-bat. And yeah, they're going to point to the in-spring training, oh, it ended this game. And yeah, it's kind of stupid, but it's also spring training, so the game's meaningless. Yeah. They're going to iron things out. They're going to iron things out with the umpires ready to go for the regular season where – the pitch clock, yeah, the pitch clock shouldn't be in a situation where it's in a big, high critical situation like that, oh, strike three, you're out because you took too long to get in the box, even though he was in the box, he didn't look at the pitcher, I'm like no, as soon as both feet are in that box, that pitcher should be able to throw whenever he wants,
0: yeah, and and it it really is like spring training is a testing ground. players for rules for pitches for all sorts of different things you cannot care too much about the final outcome of a game in spring training because Mm -hmm. remember that these are games where towards the end of the game both managers can go "Nah, you know i think we're done good game let's uh let's go to the showers
1: the only time that the games can end in a tie is spring training so everybody's getting used to it. I think that's what they need to remember too. Everybody's getting used to it. Umpires, Major League Baseball, seeing how it is. No, maybe you'll have the players union throw some pointers like, Hey, like we need some adjustment on this because we need some clarity Yeah. on the rules.
0: Let's make it 18 seconds. And then it doesn't apply to walk up or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or something like that. So,
1: because i think it's just the pitcher has to deliver a pitch be starting to deliver a pitch or start his motion as the timer is expire, as the timer expires. Mm-mm. So they'll figure it out but whatever. And we'll still see one last thing we'll touch on here real quick uh the uh no shift rule. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see that implemented more once we see like guys like Charlie Blackman take some more at bats, see how Hits work out for him, uh, but that one will be an interesting one.
0: It's that one will be harder to really gauge the effects of until the regular season, just because not as many of the games are televised during spring training. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that there were some situations yesterday during the game where a shift would have made a difference, but we couldn't see it because you know the game is not on television. So. Yeah and it's the, it's the same for today. Today's Rockies game against the Brewers is neither on the radio nor is it on television for either the Brewers or for the Rockies. So, we have no idea if say Charlie Blackman grounding into a double play would have been any different with a shift or not or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the weird things that they were talking about with that shift rule is if there's a if there's a violation by the defense. So, they're somewhere where they shouldn't be. They're on the outfield grass or something. And then the offensive team gets a hit. They can deny the the flag on the play, so to speak. <laughs> they can deny the flag on the play and just take the hit, which I thought was pretty funny.
0: If there's and a then, violation, then the first baseman is dragged off behind the, behind the dugout and yeah. shot. Hey.
1: <laughs> or the other thing they were talking about on one of the, TV broadcasts I was watching is those infielders have to be careful that the heels of their shoes of their cleats aren't on the grass at all. So they can't even touch the grass until that pitch is thrown. Yeah.
0: It's like a, like the out of bounds line. Yeah. So like I can, uh,
1: but not letting them like stand on the lip of the grass. That's kind of a.
0: Yeah. It's, I think this is overkill that there's probably going to be adjustments, especially after the season where I mm-hmm. can see them going, all right, this worked, this didn't, let's see what else needs to be adjusted. Because I agree that like, that's a little bit draconian of like the very heel of your cleats can't even be touching the smallest blade of grass on the, mm-hmm. on the edge. That's a bit much, but that's ridiculous. But it's one of those ones where, and it's, it's the same for all of these rule changes. All we can really do is wait and see, how things go as we carry out through the season. And as we carry through spring training, it is only the third day of spring training today. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of time for things to be adjusted and for things to, for people to get used to.
1: Yeah. By end of spring training, most of the big leaders that are just now experiencing it, they'll get used to it and everything will be fine. So And if a game only takes two and a half hours, you only have to get through a Rockies game in two and a half to three hours. More bang for your buck. Anyways, let's talk some players. Shall we, Evan? I think
0: we shall. sounds like a great idea.
1: Okay. So you remember last time we talked all about the pitchers and like non roster invitees and guys we're looking at, uh, talk about pitchers and catchers. We're going to focus now on, out on the, position players as a whole Uh, infielders, outfielders, everything. And of the non roster invitees, here's some of the more notable ones for the Rockies. You've got Coco Montez and Grant Levine uh, on the team. Coco Montez hits his first, hits the first home run of spring training in his first game. Uh, Grant Levine, you've got Zach Veen, Levine. and That's going to be a tough one to say. Those two are in a lineup behind each other.
0: Veen and Levine. (laughs) <laughs> yes,
1: which is French for the Veen
0: or Spanish Veen. The Veen, LaVine machine, if they're oh, both on no. the field at the same time.
1: <laughs> Zach Veen's Grant Love, Levine. Uh And then you've got a couple of the, this is the more important battle to watch. The utility guys, the veterans of Harold Castro and Cole Tucker. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other guys that are on the 40 man roster that we can touch on. But of those non-roster invitees, I think first, let's focus on Zach Veen, because he's the future, and already, as we're recording and in his first game, he's already putting up some impressive showings in the early goings here.
0: Yeah, Veen is, so far, at time of recording, he's three for four, with a home run, two RBIs, and two stolen bases with an OPS of 2.8. a boy. And I know that, you know, it's only been two games for the Rockies. He's only had the four at bats, but what I am really curious about for him is if he's going to have a red hot spring training, much in the vein of Ezekiel Tovar last season, where Tovar <laughs> had a crazy good spring training. And we were all like, man, this kid should be on the opening day roster. And then started the season in uh double A Hartford. And you have to wonder if that might end up being the same for Veen, where if he has a crazy hot spring training, everybody's been going, man, this kid needs to be on the opening day roster. But then he would probably he could probably even still follow the the uh Tovar path, where had a really, really good time in double A, had a blistering hot time in triple A, and then was called up. And we mm-hmm. would have seen Tovar earlier last season if not pretty much right after the all-star break, maybe mid August at the latest, if he hadn't gotten that groin injury mm-hmm. and for Veen, it's an, it's another one of those ones if you don't really want to rush him, but you can definitely consider him. If he has the same kind of torrid spring training that uh, Tovar had last year, the same kind of performance he did in the Arizona fall league, that this is a guy that we will see in 2023. And that's something I'm pretty confident at right now, that we are yeah. going to see him in 2023. It just is a matter of when.
1: Yeah, and just like Tovar, he's going to play his way up onto the roster. And I think he's going to go start down in A Hartford, let him go conquer that beast that you no know, banged him up at the end of last season where he hit under 200. Uh, he was talking about how that would have been the first time he'd hit under 200 in like a long long time and he's like i never want to feel that again and he he put on some big boy weight too coming into spring training i think it was like 21 pounds of muscle yeah he looks noticeably larger he's zach vean was once a boy now he's a man now he's a
0: man he's a grown (laughs) man man. he's He's got got that hair on his chest (laughs) he he has some hair on his upper lip too it's uh (laughs) No longer his puberty mustache. He's got a man mustache. Uh, Not quite yet. It's getting there. It looks better than it did last year. But, uh, oh boy, that mustache is not ready for prime time yet.
1: (laughs) But I think he was working with like Brendan Rogers' personal chef. Helped him over the offseason. Put on that weight and like eat better and everything. But it's good to see here's a kid who's, he's working hard and he wants it. And it's just an exciting time to watch a prospect like this mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. And, you know, we have big hopes for him to come in and, and be a, one of the, the leaders on that Rockies roster in the future. And so it's nice to see him getting his chance to to turn some heads, put up a good impression here in his first big league, or in this you know, spring training here with the big league camp. It's good to see him putting in that effort and dedication and everything. And that's going to pay off dividends for him
0: and, and everything. I, so, and I love seeing a guy like Brendan Rogers, once the former Rockies top prospect, helping, working with this kid who is now mm-hmm. in the shoes that he was in earlier of being that top prospect. You know, work, he works out with him, he uh, lets him use his personal chef. And, you know, these are two kids from Florida that, I really, really like to see that. That is a really, really cool, good veteran move of Brendan Rodgers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so Zach Vean is he is the future and it, it's going to be exciting. Can't wait to see him you no know, potentially and very likely make his debut at some point this season. Because come 2024, there's going to be a spot in the corner outfield, uh, potentially, or even out in center field, if they need him to. So he he's ready to go and it's exciting to see. I think somebody asked him what his favorite outfield position was. He's like, well, personally I like center field, but
0: I'd be lying if I wouldn't say I'm not good at all three of them. So <laughs> he is showing, he's showing a lot of confidence recently. Mm-hmm. And um Renee over at Purple Row has written about how the, the Rockies are trying to get him confident and get him used to being in front of cameras to prepare him for being the face of the franchise. And I think we're seeing that start to pay off here.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially with him just being the weird little weirdo that he is probably (laughs) with those, (laughs) those little videos that they have on social media with the tiny microphone. I'm really enjoying those though. Yeah. It's, it's just nice to see these guys' personalities. Uh, I don't think we're going to see many of like Chris Bryant and, Some of those more stoic guys on there, Uh, but it's just nice to see these younger guys that are in camp, these youngsters. There's the one with like Brian Servan and Ryan McMahon trying to work a Tamagotchi. Oh, I haven't seen that that. one. So it's just just nice to see these guys' personalities. You want to do something for your team, Rockies do have a PR problem a little bit. Let us see these players. Let us see these guys' personalities. So we don't just associate with them with, oh, these guys
0: stink as players. Like, no, these are really nice guys, like goofy, funny guys. My favorite clip so far is the one of Jonathan Daza, the little microphone going, oh, you know, I just wake up every morning and I feel so sexy. (laughs) It just made me laugh. And it's like, (laughs) that's such a big thing for marketing. Your team is letting the personalities of these guys shine through.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, let's move on here after Zach Veen, because we're running out of time, Evan. Oh, goodness. Uh, really quick here. This is the utility battle to watch. Harold Castro, Cole Tucker. Harold Castro, uh, showed off better bat than Cole Tucker, but Cole Tucker is probably a little bit better defensively overall, but lacks the bat. Uh, of these two, who are you taking to break through on the rosters? The super
0: utility. I think it's really tough. Um, My pick would be Castro just because Mm -hmm. he does have the better bat, but uh, Tucker is much younger and has more upside and they both had pretty good games uh, yesterday. Castro went two for three with two RBIs and a double. uh, And then uh, Tucker went one for two, both pretty solid games. Um, Tucker started out in center field and Castro started at second base it's it's a unique predicament because they are two very different players um Mm -hmm. currently i have the needle pointed towards castro but if tucker you know proves himself as the guy to go to for that position then i'm all for it and then the the third guy that you're really looking at for your utility man is alan trejo who Mm -hmm. is also playing for team mexico in the world baseball classic had a pretty good season last year he's the third of that group that are one of these guys is going to be your super utility guy.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And that's going to be the interesting one because full 40 man roster Trejo's already on there. So I think he might have a little bit of that inside track or, Hey, who knows if it's a long shot, but could be a chance that Trejo gets the opening day starting shortstop job over Tovar or something just depend on how their springs turn out here.
0: Yeah. It's not impossible.
1: But I, I think I'm kind of with you. Castro seems like the type of bat that they would want uh off of the off of the bench, as opposed to Cole Tucker, who still has to prove that he can hit at the big league level. But he also has the defensive better defensive capabilities of you no, know, he started out in center field. Rockies need some center fielders. So it's that's gonna be the interesting one to see, but I'm kind of with you. Harold Castro. Uh, hopefully he works on his base running skills because he made two mistakes in his first game. <laughs> so always running out, folks. Always
0: hustle and be hey, smart on the base. They pads. call him Hitting Harold, not Hustling Harold. Yes, <laughs> that's perfect.
1: Thank you. Oh goodness, but yeah. But that's the battle that I'm really interested to watch of the non roster position players is who's going to get it between Castro and Tucker. Um, with Harold Castro you get a better bat maybe not as good defense but he's still about as versatile and with Cole Tucker you get a switch hitter, defensive capabilities, the potential of the bat like you said and Vanessa Hudgens so (laughs) it's a close one there Vanessa Hudgens doing some heavy lifting there for the Cole Tucker category Mostly because I love the idea of forcing her to sit through a Rockies game (laughs) (laughs) they just got engaged. And as soon as she watches a big blowout at Coors field,
0: he used to play starts questioning. He used to play for the pirates. She knows what she's getting into. Yeah, that's true. That's true, man. That's how, you know, it's real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll sit through a Pittsburgh pirates game for you. And he played for the diamondbacks (laughs) organization.
0: Dang. Hey. Nothing good nothing but her. love to pirates and D-Backs fans. But uh it's been tough times.
1: It's, it's teams that stink can make fun of other teams that stink because we exactly. all stink together. <laughs> uh last guy I want to talk to, talk about here really quick before we close, uh Coco Montes. I know you're big on him, Evan, and shows a good showing in his first appearance in spring training and another one of those guys that kind of gets forgotten as a middle infielder but he's still trying to crack through and and make a name for himself with the Rockies.
0: I love Coco. Uh I hear he makes a darn good smoothie. Um him hitting that first Rockies home run of spring training and it was a good home run too. Uh you could feel it coming off the bat. He has been really good. He was great in Triple-A Albuquerque last year. Really good teammate presence. I just I don't know who he would replace on the current lineup because his major mm-hmm. position is middle infield. Tovar's all, all, all obviously got the, um, the fast-track shortstop, and second base is Brendan Rogers' position. Um, Coco can play a little bit of third base as well, um, so he could shake in as a utility person in that battle between, say, Harold Castro, Cole Tucker, Alan Trejo. But it's tough because um, I really want to see him crack the big league roster, but I just don't know where he fits right now. It's, yeah. it's easier for guys like, say, Brenton Doyle, who's also having a really good spring so far because we know that there are needs in the outfield.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and He's one of those guys of, yeah, you're going to put up something maybe next year or something like that. Or who knows, maybe we get a random blockbuster trade that sends Brendan Rodgers off somewhere. And Harold Castro takes over at second and, oh, there's a spot on the bench for you, Coco. It wouldn't happen, but you never know. Yeah. But it, he, his home run was so good. Everybody thought it was Willie McIver.
0: Yeah, that, that was funny because I thought it was Willie. I'm listening to the radio and, and you know, Jack's like, it's Willie McIver with a home run. And he's like, no, wait, actually it was Coco Montez. I'm like, oh, cool. So wait, I'm happy either, I'm happy either way.
1: I think that's Willie McIver on the on-deck circle. <laughs> that's the beauty of spring training where nobody has a name and it's all random numbers.
0: That's why I was surprised because um, they gave Riley they gave Riley Pine a big boy number. They gave him uh 41 instead of a lot of the other, you know, rookies and spring training prospect guys. They'll get what are called spring training numbers, numbers in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. hmm
1: Especially guys that, are, guys that are on the 40-man roster will get a little bit more preference over what number they want.
0: That's true. So,
1: But, hey, Trejo better be looking over his shoulder because 13
0: belongs to Veen. Eventually. I think, what number do they have him wearing right now? 73? It's like 70-something, yeah. Yeah, it's 73. I don't know. 73 is kind of cool. I like it.
1: Nah, 13.
0: Give him 13. Because that's my number. Give him 27.
1: Eh.
0: Somebody's, somebody's got to take 27 eventually. Eventually. And it'll be me. <laughs> Any news.
1: Uh, Evan, I think that's going to do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Uh, as always, we appreciate you tuning in and hanging out with us and our stupidity and everything we have a fun time with everything uh but that's gonna do it here evan where can the folks find you
0: uh you can find me at at evan underscore lang 27 on the tweeters and on purple row uh you can also hit us up on the official affected by altitude twitter account which is at altitude effect and skylar what are your socials you can find me on the twitter's at at sideline
1: underscore crowd and as always, you can find both of us over on Purple Row. I write Wednesday Rock Piles. Evan does the Thursday Rock Piles. So back-to-back there, the three and four hitters during the week. Uh, but that's going to do it here. As always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Evan, hit him with it.
0: Farewell. Special little bit for the uh, the video-only people there. I made uh, I made a gesture with my hand.